Hey guys, welcome to Lonely Fans. This is your host, Emily, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. I'm not gonna lie, this last week has been pretty busy, and I've kind of had a little bit of a creative dry spell, if you can believe that, which is like weird because I've only been making this for three weeks. I have so many ideas, but it was just kind of like every time I went to record, I felt like this is not the right time. Like, I can say it better later. But right now, I'm very passionate about the topic that we're going to get into. But first, make sure to follow me on Patreon. Um, You can just follow for free. Or if you become a patron, which is $3 a month, I will be posting two bonus episodes every month for patrons. If that's something you're interested in. Um, Whether or not you follow me on Patreon, make sure to follow me on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts and leave a review with your name, I will give you a shout out in the next podcast episode. Turn your notifications on to make sure that you are informed every time I post. Um, In the bio or the description of this episode, I will leave a link to fill out the Master Dear Emily Google form, which is basically where you can give me feedback on episodes, talk about what you like and don't like, what you want to see and don't care to see. And then also the most important part is if you have any memes to submit to me, to react to, any any, uh, pop culture events going on, any movies, books, or music to review and analyze, that's all on the Google form. I would so appreciate if you submitted it. And Submitting your name is optional, but if you do, I will give you a shout out on the next episode. Lastly, if you share this podcast with a friend, maybe send them, text them the link to my podcast. If you screenshot it and send it to me, whether it's like if you know me personally through text or through Patreon, I will also give you a shout out. (sighs) Can you tell I'm, I've been kind of consolidating all this information and I feel like I'm getting more official, and I love it. My goal is to not take up too much time in the beginning talking about these business things, because we want to get to the meat of the episode. Here we go. Taylor Swift's best and worst songs. Now listen, Taylor Swift is one of my favorite musical artists of all time, and So you can imagine why this would be difficult for me. So I will say disclaimer, I'm going to talk about my favorite and least favorite songs of hers, but also I could wake up tomorrow and have totally different opinions, okay? So you can't, (laughs) you can't hold me liable. Also, if I hate on your favorite song, I'm sorry. Music is very subjective and I understand that. So I'm not going to hate on you for the kind of music that you like. And the, and the songs of hers that you enjoy. That being said, I will, I'm going to try my best to argue each of these songs' cases and talk about why they're here. So I'm doing my top 15 songs, which sounds like a lot, A, because it was really hard for me to narrow down, and B, Taylor Swift has nine studio albums out now. She has been in the game for so long. She has so much music. So 15 out of all of her songs, I think, is a pretty fair number to talk about. 
The way that I went about narrowing this down is I asked myself, if I could only listen to 15 Taylor Swift songs for the rest of my life, what would they be? I decided to come up with five different categories that I feel like represent what I'm looking for when I'm listening to music. So the categories are songs to sing in the car. I chose three of her songs for that. Songs that make me want to experience a breakup just so I understand them, which to me makes sense because I've never been in a relationship, so I've never experienced a breakup. And I'm just going to go ahead and give you one of those songs right now, All Too Well. It's a fan favorite song, and I like it, but I also feel like I could like it so much more if I just understood what she was talking about and could empathize, because I can't. Um, the third category is songs to fall into a blissful sleep to, because that's so important. Songs that make me want to fall in love, and songs that make me feel like a baddie. I feel like with these five categories, I could choose three songs in each category of the top 15 Taylor Swift songs I would want to listen to for the rest of my life. Here we go. Songs to sing in the car. The first one is Blank Space. Blank Space. People throw around the term cultural reset a lot. As kind of a meme. But Blank Space was actually a cultural reset. I can picture so vividly in my mind when I first listened to the 1989 album. I listened to Welcome to New York and I, and I was like, yeah, this is it. This is, this is setting the tone of the album. This is good. And then we got to blank space and it was over. I, I wish that I could transport myself back into time to listen to, the, to blank space for the first time. Because I listened to it and I thought, wow. The beat, clean. The melody, perfect. But most importantly, the lyrics. There is not a single lyric on Blank Space that doesn't that doesn't make me feel like Taylor Swift wrote this song because the, her rent was due. You know what I'm saying? Like, she had to pay rent, and so she sat down and wrote Blank Space because every single lyric would pay the bills. I don't know if that makes sense, but it makes sense to me. Second. Second song to sing in the car. Style. Now, one of my best friends, Charlotte, this is her favorite Taylor Swift song of all time, rightfully so, because again, it's a masterpiece. And I remember in an interview soon after 1989 came out, um, Taylor Swift was doing a radio interview and talking about how Style was the last song that she added to the album, which I think is so interesting because it feels Style sets the tone of the album for me. Like, 1989 would be significantly different without style. You could take out, I don't know, I, w I wish you would. You could take out this love. You could take out, I wish you would. You could take out, how you get the girl. You could even take out bad blood which I know had the quote-unquote iconic music video, which, Taylor, I get it. You're famous, you have a bunch of friends that are models, and you want them to be in your music video. 
but I don't care what anyone else says. I think that's her worst music video of all time. It just, like, there were too many characters. There was no plot. It, it was, it really was just Taylor saying, look at how many famous women I'm friends with that are all very attractive and, you know, successful in their own right. That's what I'm saying. You could take out basically any other song out of 1989 besides Blank Space. That's a must. I think Shake It Off, honestly, I think Shake It Off is good. And it really, it it also defines the album. Wildest Dreams, for sure. I Know Places and New Romantics. And those, those are all staples. And style is is among those staples. Style is one of the staples. It just is. And it's perfect to sing along in the car. My last song to sing in the car is Cruel Summer. <sighs> Cruel Summer. I don't understand how a song held me at gunpoint. But Cruel Summer did. Cruel Summer was the one that got away. Because, you know, it's on the Lover album. And as we all know, about six months ago, in the middle of quarantine, Taylor Swift drops Folklore. Which, in my opinion, is her best album of all time. We'll get to that. But I really think that Cruel Summer could have been a single, should have been a single. And I was robbed at gunpoint. When it was not released as a single. Or a music video. Like, I could add to my resume that I have been through a robbery and came out the other side of it. Because that's what happened when Cruel Summer wasn't made a single. Moving on. Next category. Songs that make me want to experience a breakup just so I understand them. Now, I think it's interesting. I mean, we we all know that Taylor Swift, she writes love songs. She writes breakup songs. Like so many other artists we've been through this she gets scrutinized more for it i don't know why because she's a woman because like people don't really have anything else bad to say about her or at least they didn't at the time i just remember stupid like bottom text meme that was going around instagram at the time that i had my one direction taylor swift fan account which by the way should be another episode topic I could spend a whole two-part series talking about my experience as a semi-successful Taylor Swift One Direction fan account, but that's neither here nor there. I remember that stupid bottom text meme that people would use, and it's like Taylor standing in a red dress, it's from the Fearless era, and then the bottom text is like, Taylor Swift should write a song called Maybe I'm the Problem. Crickets. Dang, you got the whole squad laughing. Anyway, we know that Taylor Swift can write a mean breakup slash apology slash pining song. And I feel like... I, I Don't get me wrong, I enjoy them. If I didn't enjoy them, I probably wouldn't be a Taylor Swift fan because that's a big part of her discography. But I don't understand them necessarily. 
and the, and some of her breakup slash sad songs are so good that I almost want to just date somebody and break up with them so I know <laughs> why she's feeling the way she's feeling. I, I wouldn't do that. First of all, I couldn't do that, but I wouldn't. Um, I also think that's why the Red album, which I know a lot of people hold as her magnum opus or whatever. Wow, that was a... That was a um, tier three vocabulary word. <laughs> Shout out to all my elementary education majors who know what that who knows what knows. Shout out to all my elementary education majors who know what that means. <laughs> um, basically, for you plebeians and civilians, tier three vocabulary is basically vocabulary that's used in a very specific context, usually academic context. So, like, tier one vocabulary are words that you don't have to be explicitly taught the meaning of. Like, laugh. Like, kids know what the word laugh means, right? They, they read it, they hear it, they know what you're talking about. Tier two vocabulary words are words that need to be explicitly taught. Like, like compassion. Like, kids un- understand, like... They know what a compassionate person looks like, but they you could say the word compassion and they probably wouldn't know what you're talking about. That's why you have to teach them. Tier three vocabulary words are words that are only really used in an academic context. Like, say, in science, for example, a tier three word would be atom, molecule. Um, <laughs> Rube Goldberg. Anyway, magnum opus, tier three word. That's what was happening. Here are the three songs that make me want to experience a breakup. Forever and Always. That's the best song on Fearless. It just is. It just is. Especially the piano version. That's God tier right there. If you have if you have not heard Taylor Swift's song Forever and Always, please listen to it. Um <laughs> I remember like I was watching a video uh, of her performing on the Fearless tour. That was kind of the first big tour that she ever did. And during the performance of Forever and Always, she's so dramatic. Oh my gosh, I hate her. She's so so she she starts she starts singing the song and she's in this like red, like comfy chair. And in the performance, she stands up and like throws the chair off to the side of the stage <laughs> for no reason. It's, why is she like this? But anyway, forever and always. Next song, Back to December. (sighs) Taylor Lautner, you are lucky. Taylor Lautner, you are probably the only man that Taylor has dated that has deserved an apology. Listen, I don't know what happened. I don't need to know what happened because we have Back to December as evidence that... For some reason, Taylor left him, Taylor Swift left Taylor Lautner, but realized that he had actually treated her really well. Anyway, back to December is an incel anthem. <laughs> Change my mind. <laughs> Imagine an incel listening to back to December and being like, wow, this is why, this is why nice guys always finish last. Like he was nice to her and gave her everything and she still left incel bait or wait incel fuel that's what it is okay last song that makes me want to experience a breakup of course is all too well 
that's just that's it all right next category songs to fall into a blissful sleep to now i used to fall asleep listening to music and am i a sociopath i feel like that's a sociopath trait i don't know why that just seems kind of or maybe it's more like crackhead energy like just leaving like playing music on your phone when you fall asleep i don't know I don't do that, but if I did, these were the so- these are the three songs of Taylor's that I would like to fall asleep to. First, Begin Again. Begin Again is quite possibly one of Taylor's best closer songs because that was the la- that's the last song on Red. Beautiful music video first of all in Paris. She's riding the bike, she's in the the bakery. Also, she's on top of that building in the purple dress, beautiful. Begin Again is just so hopeful, and yeah, it's a perfect falling asleep song. Next, My Tears Ricochet. Now, My Tears Ricochet could have also been in the songs that make me want to experience a breakup category, but My Tears Ricochet to me is more than a breakup song. Now, I, I've, I've heard the conspiracy theories about how My Tears Ricochet is actually about Taylor Swift leaving or or her um her her quote unquote breakup with Big Machine Records. So a little bit of background for for those of you who don't spend every waking hour thinking about Taylor Swift. <laughs> Basically, from what I understand, Taylor Swift for her first 6 studio albums, so up until like a couple years ago, she was signed to Big Machine Records, and quite honestly, she was the artist that made it what it what it was. Because when she first signed to it as a 16-year-old, it was new. It had no no accolades to its name. But Taylor Swift made it what it was. But then Scott Scott Borchetta, or Scott Brushetta, who's the owner of Big Machine Records, decided to sell it to Scooter Braun? Sorry, I usually don't mention Satan's name in my podcast. Scooter Braun, though. Justin Bieber and Scooter Braun are buddies, and I think that's all you need to know about Scooter Braun. Basically, Taylor doesn't like him, so she's understandably upset that Scott Borchetta, her once close friend and... The, basically the person that she made successful by working with, he sold it to Scooter Braun knowing that Taylor and Scooter don't have a good relationship and that, of course, Taylor wouldn't want this man to own the masters to her songs that she wrote by herself in her own house with her own pencil, with her own stories. So, that's all this to say, go back and listen to My Tears Ricochet and tell me that the idea that this song is about her breakup with Big Machine Records, tell me that that doesn't make sense, because I think it does. I mean, in the bridge when she says, And when you can't sleep at night, you hear my stolen lullabies. Like, her stolen lullabies are all of her songs on her first six albums. Like, Genius. Last song in the category, Songs to Fall into a Blissful Sleep to, Mirrorball. Now, I don't know if I'll be releasing this episode before or after my episode with Ryan. Just know 
I will not handle any more Mirrorball slander, okay? Mirrorball is a song for the social anxiety girlies like myself who feel like they have to take on the personality and vibe of everybody that they are with and every group they're with and that they're always changing, but also it can be harmful because you don't really know who you are. And it, it's, it has such a calming aura. And, you know, Ryan said that he doesn't like the production of it. That's whatever. That's his opinion. I like it because in some parts it seems to get softer. And so it really does have lullaby energy. All right. Category number four. Songs that make me want to fall in love. New Year's Day. I heard New Year's Day and I thought, wow, Taylor Swift is in love. And I love the whole concept of, you know, a lot of people you can hang out with, hook up with on New Year's Eve, but it's all about the ones who will wake up the next morning and pick up the mess you've made. Sounds nice, doesn't it? <laughs> What's that mean where it's like, oh, you want it? Well, you're never going to get it. If, if, I find, if I find that reaction bit, I'll, I'll insert it into the episode right here. Does that sound like something you want? Yes. But let me tell you, you'll never get it. Next, song that makes me want to fall in love. It's nice to have a friend. Hidden gem on lover. It's only, what, like two minutes? But I feel like it... Taylor Swift, I don't know if anybody else has noticed this. Like, yes, she has her track fives, which are notoriously her most kind of emotional and vulnerable tracks and then she has her last track which kind of closes up the album she's a master at closing up her album but we need to talk about her penultimate songs on her album you like that that's another tier three word right there <laughs> that's like i learned that from um a series of unfortunate events like the pen penultimate peril that's like the second to last Taylor Swift has really good second-to-last songs. It's Nice to Have a Friend, Peace on Folklore, which is quite possibly one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs of all time. Um, what was her penultimate song on Red? Starlight? Mm. Mm. Okay, I'll let that one slide. Um, Last Kiss? In Evermore, her penultimate song was Closure. <sighs> Closure. If she had just cut the noise at the beginning, Closure's a, Closure's a good song. You just need to cut out the first 20 seconds when it's like, you know what I'm talking about? And there's all the Swifties that are like, whoa, this is so meaningful because it sounds like it's like a big machine breaking and like, you know, big machine records. But no, I just, I think she was trying to be experimental and it just didn't hit the mark, but that's okay. Anyway, it's nice to have a friend. Very cozy. It tells a very simple story in a very Taylor Swift way. It has steel drums, which is kind of a nice new instrument she added to her repertoire. What are all these tier three words? Wow. And the last song that makes me want to fall in love is Enchanted. Now, I'm going to make a bold claim. Enchanted? is lyrically quite possibly Taylor Swift's best song. 
It's so magical. And can you believe that she wrote the song Enchanted about what's his face from Owl City? Adam, is it Adam Young? Um, that's who she wrote it about. I'm looking it up to make sure I get it right. Yeah, Adam Young. The little, like, kind of greasy-looking elf boy. She wrote, quite possibly, her best song about him. About meeting him. And actually, she said that the reason why she used words like Enchanted and Wonderstruck is because those are the kind of words that Adam Young uses. <laughs> ah, I mean, that makes sense. The man who wrote Fireflies using words like Wonderstruck? Of course. Of course. Okay, last category. Songs that make me feel like a baddie. First and foremost, I would like to say I really didn't appreciate Taylor's Reputation era. It, it took me a long time to come around because I had always kind of related to her good girl image. I felt like it was relatable. But then in Reputation, I'm like, well, I can't really relate to like, being in a feud with Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Like that, I, I will never be able to re- relate to that. But looking back on it, I feel like Taylor, first of all, she said that Reputation was a therapeutic album for her, which good for her. I still think that she should actually go to therapy. And I know that she doesn't go to therapy because she wrote Folklore and Evermore and released them. That's all I'm saying. Um, but I, I, I think that that kind of opened my mind up to be like, wow, I really can be multifaceted. So thank you, Taylor, for doing that. Songs that make me feel like a baddie, of course, I did something bad. I did something bad. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like that song. It just makes me like it more. Next one, next song that makes me feel like a baddie, False God. False God? Don't sleep on False God. I feel like that might be my favorite song from Lover. False God and It's Nice to Have a Friend. False God is just, it's just so, like, the saxophone in the beginning. Just the very, like, I don't even know how to describe it like undercurrents in the song like I could tell that Jack Antonoff had his hands not just one hand both of his hands throwing a foot as well he had everything in this song he had everything to do with the song and I know that because if you listen to False God do me a favor listen to False God by Taylor Swift and then listen to Lana Del Rey's album Norman Rockwell I don't really know how to describe it, but they have the same vibes. And all I'm going to say is that Taylor Swift, in this song, False God, paved the way for Lana Del Rey's album, Norman Rockwell. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um, seriously, I love that song. I, lo- it's, I never skip it when it comes on. Last song that makes you feel like a baddie, No Body, No Crime. I came across this playlist on Spotify. I'll see if I can find it again and link to it. It The whole playlist was like, songs that prove Taylor Swift murdered a man. I think it was like, wait, I have to see if I can find it. Yep, here it is. Created by Zaha. I think Taylor Swift murdered somebody. <laughs> and, the, and the songs... <laughs> what? And the songs kind of like progress through the 
the album. So it starts with I did something bad. <laughs> Wait. It has a whole storyline. Go on Spotify. This playlist called I Think Taylor Swift Murdered Somebody Created by Zaha. Nine nine songs, 32 minutes. I think there's something here. Um, no Body, No Crime just kind of like wrapped it up in a nice little bow. And she said, and she said my weapon of choice is the revolver in the conservatory. No body, no crime. So anyway, I hope that you were able to listen to this and that, you know, even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, that you were at least entertained and maybe even enticed to go and listen to some of these songs, my top 15 Taylor Swift songs. Now, before we leave... I think that Taylor Swift has written some of the best music in the industry. At the same time, she has committed some unforgivable sins. Here are, in my opinion, the worst five Taylor Swift songs in no particular order. But actually, no. Yep, me, capital M, capital E, exclamation point, is the worst song of Taylor Swift's career. Which is really weird considering that I I really like Lover. I think it's quite possibly maybe like three or number three or four on my list of albums. But me? I've already talked about it. You know how I feel. Next, Paper Rings. Call Me Bitter. But that song, Paper Rings... I like to think that the only reason Taylor Swift wrote Paper Rings is so it could get put put on, like, a TLC commercial. You know what I'm talking. Like, say yes to the dress. Like, I like shiny things, but I'd marry you with paper rings. Like, other than that, I'm not even one of those people that gets bitter on Valentine's Day. Like, I'm fine. I like Valentine's Day because I have people that I love and you don't have to be in a romantic relationship to love somebody. But Paper Rings made me bitter. there's songs that make me want to uh fall in love and then there's songs that make me glad that i never have paper rings next gorgeous you make me so happy it turns back to sad i don't even know the rest of the line because i don't listen to gorgeous because it's a bad song i'm sorry it's cute that's about it next coney island I can't really tell you anything about this song. Um, notice, I no songs from folklore are going to be on here. And Evermore almost made it, but Coney Island, I, I don't think it, it's necessarily a bad song. It's just, it's boring to me. I haven't, I've listened to it all the way through maybe two or three times. It's very forgettable. Sorry. And the last one, Sad, Beautiful, Tragic. Have you ever had a professor that talks at like 0.5x speed? That's what sad, beautiful, tragic feels like to me. It's so slow. And it just feels very low effort to me. Like sad, even the name, sad, beautiful, tragic, it just kind of... Like in the hands of Disney Channel, they would have made it a hit. I don't know. Sorry. But it's definitely not the worst one on this list, but 
it deserves it deserves a spot. So that being said, these are, in my opinion, Taylor Swift's best and worst songs sorted by category. I would love to know if you agree or disagree with me. Head over to my Patreon. You can comment on this post. Please let me know what you think. If you disagree, I... If you disagree with something, I will... Like, I'll respond to you and we can have a conversation. Okay? It's not going to be like you're commenting on... (laughs) You're commenting on Canvas to get your five points and then move on and it's some dumb comment like, Wow, I really appreciate your thoughts here. I also agree that XYZ, you know... It's not for credit. This is going to be a conversation. And I hope that if you are not a Taylor Swift fan or not as familiar with these with her music, I recommend you listen to these 15 songs. And heck, listen to the songs that I consider to be the worst so you can really get the full spectrum. That being With that being said, I've had a lot of fun doing this. And I hope it has at least been entertaining. And, um... Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Lonely Fans, where the only thing you want to pay is for me, is for me to stop talking. And also for Taylor Swift to stop writing songs that could be on Disney. Hey, thanks for staying all the way until the end of the podcast episode. And as a reward, you are getting a second segment that I will sometimes do where I write a Kids Bob remix to an originally, let's say, explicit song. This one is to the tune of Drunken Love by Beyonce. Featuring Jay-Z, I guess I had to throw that in there, but it's Beyonce. We be all day studying, studying, be all night. Studying, a studying, we be all night and everything all right. No complaints from my teacher, so intelligent that she might give me an A. Get my brain right, been a year since I've drank Sprite. Gotta take care of my body, no sugar so my brain doesn't get foggy. Yeah, I'm thinking, exercising. On the way to the front of class, I take the markers and answer on the chalkboard. Chalkboard. Writing like I should, write, writing like I should. This is so dumb. Also, my voice is really hoarse, so you get what you get. You're welcome. Do with it what you will. Copyright, Emily.